If you're a fan of the 430 movie, you'll love Best Movies Never Made, hosted by myself, Josh Miller. And Steven Scarlatta. Where we explore some of the greatest movies never made, like E.T. 2. Johnny Quest. Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. And Halloween 3D. New episodes available every other Monday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, hi. This isn't Bill Shatner, but uh, if I was, I'd be listening to the Inglorious Trexperts podcast. Why don't you? Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and if you're a Star Trek fan and you haven't already picked up the hardcover edition of the 50-Year Mission, it's time for you to go out and get the paperback version of the 50-Year Mission, which is just out in paperback from St. Martin's Press. This is the complete oral history of Star Trek, the first 25 years, from me and Ed Gross. And if you think you know everything there is to know about Star Trek, think again. The 50-Year Mission out in paperback now, and if you can't read, the audiobook is still available. Electric Now? What does that mean? It means that you can watch us do these wonderful podcasts and so many other things, too. Hey, uh, Darren, yes. when I was a kid, I used to love the electric company. You know why? Because I knew one day Morgan Freeman would be a great actor. But <laughs> if there's one thing I love about electricity that's even better than Schoolhouse Rock and... The electric company, it's the Electric Now channel. But also, they're turning it on and bringing the power. Yes, they are. <laughs> and we're turning you on. And No, 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 no. that's a highly Not inappropriate. Okay, well, we are turning on the power here at Electric Surge, where you may have, for the last year or so, been enjoying these amazing audio podcasts like Inglorious Trexperts, The 430 Movie, Best Movies Never Made. Now, you, you can watch You them. ain't seen nothing yet, no, but you now you can't. Anything. You can on Electric Now, available on Stir TV and Distro TV, which you can download from your favorite app store, and soon coming to the Electric Now app. Get to see us as you've never seen us before, <laughs> because you've only seen us in the theater of the imagination. Now we're going to be on your tablet, on your telephone, on your TV, and in your house. With <laughs> the call is coming from inside the house. So make sure to check out Electric Now, streaming now on Stir TV and Distro TV, and coming soon to the Electric Now app. Back in the 70s and 80s, before the advent of VHS, chances are if you saw a classic movie, it was on the 430 movie. With their famous theme weeks, it was a chance to see movies you'd never seen before and get reacquainted with some old classics. So now, join us for the 430 movie. No, 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 no. Secret agent. Secret. Okay, so... In case you haven't guessed. Okay, how about this? Uh, um. James Bond is the most famous spy ever. That is not a good spy. You're right. Dun, 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 Okay, that's better. That's better. Anyway, in case you haven't guessed, it's Spy Week on the 4.30 movie. Yeah, baby. And under cover of <laughs> night, we have Secret Agent Steve Melching. Yeah, baby. <laughs> we have secret, most secret, top secret, Darren Dockerman. Open Channel D. And we have the highly classified Ashley E. Miller. I am shaken, but not stirred. <laughs> and I am, of course, Mark Altman. I'm so happy to bring you and invite you here to Spy Week, one, of the, great genres of, uh, <laughs> one of the great genres of, uh, of film. 
And I'm sure uh, back in the heyday of the 4-3 movie, there were a bunch of uh, spy movies playing in heavy rotation. No doubt. You know, and uh, I remember the Assassination Bureau and a couple other things were played. But uh, I want to make, before we start, before we start today's show, I want to remind you that back in the early days of this series, we did seven days of 007. So none of the James Bond movies will be eligible for Spy Week. That's its own thing. Right. And, uh, of course, we'll be doing a new James Bond show in February when my new book comes out, Nobody Does It Better, an oral history of the James Bond movies and Spy Mania, because i got to promote the, the book. So <laughs> we will return to James Bond movies, but not hold today. Hold your fire. Yeah, hold, hold, no, no James Bond movies today. So, um, uh, you know, and that, that, clears the, that clears the table for a lot of other great movies, right. too. So, you know, Bond is its own thing, and... Um, we're gonna do we're gonna do spy movies excluding James Bond, the most famous gentleman agent with the license to kill and thrill, and has done so on numerous occasions. So, um, uh, basically, I mean, why are we so fascinated by skullduggery and espionage and spy movies, Steve Melching? Well, it's just such an inherently dramatic milieu for films. You know, I mean, it 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 it, it it's. There's inherent danger, inherent suspense. Um, it 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 sort of begs uh, the, the, to take the viewer into you know undercover situations or to exotic locales or you know dangerous situations. Um, the stakes can be extremely high. You know uh, the world could be at stake or it could be very personal. It could be a very personal thing. See, I would argue it's because they have great music. <laughs> you know, James Bond, Mission Impossible. I mean, you know, you look at North by Northwest, which you could consider a spy movie. George Kaplan, he hit Bernard Herrmann score. I mean, you know, these are these are great, great scores. So I think that's the real key. <laughs> Just the am, score. Am I wrong? <laughs> you're, you're, you're not. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Okay. But I think, like Steve mentioned, there's there's a whole lot of, um, you know, our imaginations go to when we when we see the news. We we see all these sort of surface events happening but it's mm -hmm. so much more interesting to imagine the behind the behind the scenes yeah. activities that are going on and what might be going on without uh, anybody knowing about it do you think especially these movies were really popular obviously in the 60s during the heyday the of spy mania it's the cold war but do you think it also has to do with the stakes because you look at something like avengers endgame the whole universe is in play right one, one snap so back in the 60s you know our universe was Earth, and it, it definitely seemed as though Earth was in peril between these two superpowers, the U.S. and, and the Soviet Union. And, of course, that, that's part of what made it so fascinating, that the wrong move of the chess piece could lead to Armageddon. Right. It's sort of a safe way of experiencing the, the Cold War. It's turning it into story so that we can process it and deal with it. But, you know, there's also, and this is the thing that's, I think, maybe particular to James Bond movies versus, you know, something like doing a, like an adaptation of John le Carre or, or whatever is um, part of the appeal was uh, the glamour of it all, which is a strange thing to want to ascribe to a spy, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a there's a commonly held theory that a lot of the, the appeal of you know, Ian Fleming's novels and then the the movies were the lifestyle. Yeah, it was a lifestyle, right? It's like you know you want to you know ca Casino Royale. It's like, I mean, you're you're really just going across the channel, man. But like that was a big deal uh, after World War II. It was like mm -hmm. it that seemed like that was the that was the high life, right? It's you know James Bond, um, and this obviously isn't about Bond, 
But you know, he has an Omega watch because like the the Omega was was aspirational. There were things about spies that were aspirational, and I think even um, when you when you take the glamour out of it, right? There is there is an aspirational um, component to wanting to be someone who could be a chameleon, who could be competent yeah. in every situation, who can be resourceful, who who lives in a world where he doesn't necessarily trust everyone, but can find a way to, to muddle his way through. Right. You know, and, it's, and can take on different personas and live different lifestyles. That's you right. Know, you're taking on the persona of a playboy. You're like, taking on the persona of a, you know, something else. You, you know, get to that, be Walter Mitty. But, but also he has an Omega watch because Rolex didn't want to give them product placement. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I, I, I read in the upcoming book, Nobody Does It Better, um, <laughs> the, the, the galleys uh, I, I, um, by Ed Gross and Mark Holman, that what was interesting is coming out of World War II, where particularly in the UK, um, there was still rationing, there, you know, food right. was, you know, scarce. Um, uh, that to have a character who is going to the best nightclubs, who right. always has food, uh, who always has, you know, all these luxuries, um, you know, and, and lived in that world. It was great because people were so, were, were suffering. People were having a tough time, you know, even though they were no longer dealing with the Blitz and the war, they were still dealing with the aftermath of World War II right. and, 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 um, you know, uh, so so something like James Bond was very exciting to them because it was a world where they were traveling. And of course, you look at movies like The Third Man or something where, you know, a lot of these cities are divided cities between the Allies and the Soviets and everything. And, and certainly Germany was such a mm -hmm. uh, between East and West Germany. There was such a, um, uh, an, not an elegance, but it was it was so mysterious. Yeah, and we're right. all these different people with different agendas. But nobody was like at least in the movies, they weren't usually killing each other. They were usually just trying to like, undermine yeah, each other. Outsmart each other. Yeah, and outsmart each other. So it was really like this great game of chess where who was smarter, you know, mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know, who could outsmart the other, you know, get one up, you know, the Soviets or one up Steal know, the, the Americans or the British or, or yeah. and, and uh, I mean, and, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's, I, I think it keeps coming back, you know, to these movies, you know, again and again. And, you know, something like The Third Man was actually shot at the time in the city after, I mean, you look at a lot of these movies right after World War II that are shot on location in Europe, and these destroyed buildings are buildings that right. were destroyed in the war. And, uh, um, you know, that's Vienna, you know, post-World War II, and it's right. just a fascinating uh, tapestry for these movies to take place in. Plus, I think the, uh, the main reason is that, that people sort of react to it is that um, it's taking big ideas, big... Um, you know, economic and political uh, uh, discussions and boiling them down to very personal uh, relationships. Mm -hmm. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so, you know, James Bond is England. Right, yeah, right. And, you know, his adversary is Russia or, you know, whatever right. he's a respecter or whatever he's representing. Yeah, and particularly, you know, after World War II where a lot of people said, you know, it took the U.S. to break the Nazis back. Right. You know, it's more complicated than that. But it was a chance for, particularly with Bond, for the UK to feel like, the, you know, the, the sun never set on the British Empire, right. that they were the center of the universe again sure. when sort of their sun was fading to right. a certain extent. Um, but it is really remarkable. And I do love those 60 Cold War movies because we knew black and white. They were in a lot of shades of gray. And At least we thought we did. Right, at least we thought we did, at least in the movies. Yeah. And it isn't like the spy movies now where it all comes down, we gotta get through that firewall. We gotta figure <laughs> right. out, oh you know. Oh my, disable me. the laser. Okay, security. I'm in. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> where it's a bunch of people at keyboards, right. you know. Yeah. And it was, you know, that was, you know, the trade craft of it. Something as simple in Doctor No, where he puts a little piece of tape on the door. 
door to right. see if anybody comes in when or hair, a little hair yeah, yeah. on the on the door to see if anybody comes in and out of the hotel room while he's gone. That was the height of technology. Right. Right. And it to me so much more interesting than somebody sitting at a, a keyboard uh, you know, going Oh, sure, I've broken, yeah. broken in. I, you know, spy, I'm turning off the security now. A spy had to physically get inside you know, right. a secure location, get into a filing cabinet, mm-hmm. or get into somebody's house and steal you know, something, or, or meet someone clandestinely, or, sure. or over, you know, eavesdrop on a conversation, something like that. And, yeah. and, and of course, and we'll get into this, you know, in the wake of the huge success of the James Bond movies, which if you look at them, 1962, 1963, these were coming out once a year. Yeah, right. I mean, Dr. No, 62, 63 from Russia with Love, 64, Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the success of these movies inspired a slew of imitators, some of which may be, we may program this week. Um, and, you know, it really isn't until the early 70s with Watergate that sort of the fanciful secret agent, you know, we see in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, the Wrecking Crew, Matt Helm. Mm-hmm. That was actually Cubby Broccoli's old partner, Irving Allen, who produced the Matt Helm series. Mm. He had turned down Bond. He had blown off Ian Fleming, and Broccoli and him separated, and then Broccoli partnered with Saltzman to get the... So now Irving Allen is like wants to compete with Bond, so he gets Matt Helm. But those movies are terrible. But uh, but Dean Martin's great, but they're they're terrible. But it was fun to see it in Once Upon a Time in... Uh, in, in, in Hollywood. Um, anyway, let's talk about the movies we want to see on the 430 movie. Let's talk about spies. <laughs> let's so, talk about spies. Thank you, Sean. Uh, Monday, Steve It's Melton. funny. You, you gave me a good segue talking about the Bond films coming out one after another. Uh, Dr. No, uh, From Russia With Love, uh, uh, Goldfinger. The film that I'm picking comes out right in the middle of that sequence. And it was a film that was made by a lot of the same people that made the Bond films. You're doing it to me again, <laughs> son of a And bitch. it is often thought of as the anti-James Bond. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about The Ipcrest yeah, File, that was, mm-hmm. uh, starring Michael Caine. Wait. came out in 1965. <laughs> came out the same year as uh, Thunderball, although earlier in the year. And uh, directed by Sidney Fury, based on the famous series of books by Len Dayton, uh, produced by Harry Saltzman, who produced all those Bond films, Um, the music by John Barry, who did a lot of classic scores, Um, Ken Adams, the production designer, Peter Hunt was the editor. Um, and uh, it, it, it's the anti-James Bond because where Bond is is glamorous and uh, and globetrotting, uh, the Harry Palmer uh, brand is more a film noir, working class James Bond. It's very gritty and downbeat. It's the blue collar James Bond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he goes home to kind of a cr- crummy little average apartment and he cooks his own food and, you know, he wears those, you know, uh, National Health Service plastic rim glasses mm-hmm. that uh, famously, you know, Austin Powers wears in the, in the Austin Powers films. Um, and he's, uh, you know, it's it's a very not a glamorous thing, and he gets involved uh, in in undercover un- uncovering this mind control uh, a program project, and uh, it was a movie that was, I think, pretty successful when it came out. It won the BAFTA in 1965 for Best British Film, uh, as well as Best Art Direction and Cinematography. Uh, it was nominated for the DGA Award, and uh, spawned a a a. a, a, a 
a run of a couple more films. Uh, there were two sequels produced in the years following, uh, Funeral in Berlin, directed by Guy Hamilton, another Bond well, director. I was going to joke that that would have been my pick after you took Chris <laughs> Fox, that I was going to go with Funeral in Berlin. Well, and, and my favorite, uh, Billion Dollar Brain, directed mm -hmm. by Ken, Ken Russell, Russell yeah, which is yeah. just this kind of goes gonzo. gonzo. But uh, it's, a, it's a really... Um, I, I think it's kind of film that's kind of forgotten these days. Well, you know why, Steve? It's not available. Yeah. It was never put out on Blu-ray. Yeah. It's I have very the DVD hard to it. find. I think the DVD is out of print. Yeah. I lent my DVD to somebody, never got it back. Oh, cool. And and I, I actually was looking for it recently, I think probably for today. Mm. Uh, it's not available streaming. Oh. It's oh. very hard to come by. And it's a great it's a great movie. Yeah. And a fascinating movie for Bond fans. You know, um, one of the things is unlike Cubby Broccoli, who would be content to do James Bond movies the rest of his life. They did one movie. He had done a lot of films, a lot of movies with, um, uh, not Glenn Ford, with Alan Ladd. And when, he, you know, he realized the gravy train that was Bond. So they did a Bob Hope movie called Call Me Buana uh, uh. after um, uh, a Dr. No. But that was the last time that he ever wanted to do, uh, you know, sort of non-Bond movies. But Harry Saltzman wanted to just prove to the world he could do other things. Mm -hmm. So, of course, he optioned the rights to these Len Dayton books, in which, um, interestingly, uh, it was a first-person character. So you never saw what he looked like. Uh -huh. um, and, uh, and yet it, the most iconic thing about Icarus File is Michael Caine in those glasses. Yeah. And uh, he just raided the Bond people. It was all these Bond people. <laughs> and so it, it is, it's such a fascinating thing. It's like you thing. wouldn't see that happen today. You wouldn't see like, you know, a, a, a kind of a rival franchise just poach by all the same the, people, same but, people. But by the same producer. Yeah. And, 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 and it's so funny because it was never what Bond was, but it, it definitely helped make uh, Michael Caine a star. Obviously, Alfie was the big yeah. film, but... Um, the the uh, I also think Funeral Berlin, directed by Guy Hamilton, oh. is terrific, and that's Beautiful. much more of a Cold War yes. shot in East Germany. Mm -hmm. um, it's just f f fantastic, and um, some great performances across the board. And that is like a, a definitive kind of Cold War. East Germany, West Germany movie, but Ipcris Files more like a sci-fi movie, but in a good yeah, way, a sci-fi yeah. espionage movie. And I'd love to see it again. Well, yeah. the tone of that is, um, and it's, I think it all goes back to Lynn Dayton, right? I mean, yeah. I, I think about the difference between Dayton and Ian Fleming is the difference between Marvel Comics and DC. Mm -hmm. uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually pretty yeah. close. That's yeah, really right. a great analogy. You know, DC is so it's you know it's the it's the, the epic you know it's the it's the gods and. Um, with Len Dayton, his books are always about these schlubby guys who Very like grounded. have to go home mm -hmm. and cook dinner. And you know, he wrote a whole trilogy, like the the Berlin Game trilogy, where it's really just a whole meditation on being in a marriage. I mean, that's the thing that really interested Len Dayton. And you know, with the Ipcris file, you can go crazy with like the 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 elements that sort of feel fantastical. Because everything else feels so grounded, because that's what interests Dayton, um, and that shows up in in almost all of his work. And it's just, it would be actually fascinating to sort of sit down and, and you know and look at the differences between, say, Fleming and Dayton and Jean Le Carre, right? Because Le Carre kind of lives in this very like it's definitely the the Cold War, and it's very professional, but it's also a little bit elevated. It's a little mm -hmm. bit romanticized mm -hmm, right. in a different way than Fleming romanticizes it. Well, because Fleming didn't like Le Carre. Right. You know, Fleming, because, but also Le Carre really lived it, whereas Fleming kept inflating his, right. uh, yeah. his, you know, his wartime the, experience yeah. and involvement, and you know, well, maybe I kind of eh, was James Bond, and it's like, no, no, you no. Kinda but right. Le Carre yeah. really kind of was that guy. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. It's interesting. Um, but you know, and, and and you know who's in him, Chris File and and all those subsequent movies is Guy Dolman, who was also in Thunderball. He played Count Lippy, and he plays Michael Caine's boss, who's far from Bernard Lee as you can imagine, <laughs> and he's just very dry in English. And I love he's he's a great actor, and and he he just he, he he's he's a lot of fun in those movies. Sort of putting um, Michael Caine through the ringer, and Michael Caine is so like I don't give a sh you know about anything. <laughs> it's just like it's so funny. He's yeah. so dry and just cool and doesn't give a shit about anything. It's 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 a great. It's a great. I wish there had been more of them. You yeah. know, it's like. Well, I I'm, think I, I was doing a little bit of reading about this the other day, and I, I guess they made two more Harry Palmer films for in television, the 90s? but not with yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or maybe they were with him, I but think they were for they Showtime with, or something. Yeah, I don't know. I I've never, never seen them. those. No. Do you think he'd want to do another? Now you want to? We want to option the you rights. Just pitch it and, to him. I think he would. I bet he would. I bet yeah. he would too. Yeah. Well, I he kind of, in kind a of way, in the Harry Austin Burn. Powers sequel, he came oh. back uh, as playing uh, the father. Yeah, yeah but no, I, I mean a, like a real a full on, a full on Harry Palmer. You know, at eighty, I think that would be awesome. I think it would too. Yeah, I would love to see that. Yeah. Let's call him. Let's let's do that. Well, Michael, okay. you know, we, a couple of weeks ago we did Gene Hackman week. Michael Caine's another guy who, like, well, you just absolutely. can't. Yeah. I mean, the, the the amount of great movies. Now, the amount of crap he did too, but the amount of great yeah. movies he's done, or you can't fit in five days. Right? Well, yeah. there's a a great bit in in PCU, where I think it's Jeremy Piven's character is right. doing his uh, his his senior thesis on you know can he turn on the television anytime day or night and find a movie starring Michael Caine or Gene Hackman? <laughs> Funny. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Oh. Um, that's a great pick to start us off on Monday, uh, Darren. Tuesday, Tuesday. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna move out of the Cold War, or am I? <laughs> uh, that's the big question as to as to what's going on in this movie because it. It directly sort of addresses what happens when the Cold War is ended, uh, and how the uh, how the uh, resulting fallout uh, deals with uh, deals with world events. Um, my choice is from 1992, and it's Phil Alden Robinson's Sneakers. Oh, good choice! Yeah, great choice. Which I which I stand by as being the best. Mission Impossible movie yeah. ever made? Mm. Yeah, because it is it is Mission Impossible. Uh -huh. Yes, literally. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the the actors in this are so good, and and so the characterizations are so varied and interesting that uh, everyone has their role and everyone does their job, and it's it's really fun to see the plan come together mm. as as uh, things happen. Um, uh, obviously. Uh, um, Robert Redford is the head of this uh, security company that uh, helps other companies beef up their security. They try and break through their uh, systems and steal stuff from them in order to help them uh, determine ways to avoid that happening by real bad people. Mm. And they are brought into this uh, web of intrigue surrounding a device that can de decode any codes, uh, computer codes, uh, uh, ciphers, anything. And it's this sort of magic box that this uh, mathematician dreamed up. And it's fascinating because they are basically hired ostensibly by the government, and it turns out that not everything is what it mm -hmm. seems. Mm -hmm. And they get deeper and deeper into a big mess. 
and it is so much fun to watch happen, and it's so much fun to watch all these characters have their these uh, quirky, weird their, characters. They're yeah. what a great so cast. well written. Is it uh, Dan Aykroyd? Dan Aykroyd plays uh, Darren Roscow. I, I remember that because <laughs> it's so close to my own name. Um, but it's uh, he, and he is a. Uh, uh, a believer in uh, cow mutilations and uh, UFOs. What was that show on CBS that clearly ripped off sneakers? Oh. It it was about a bunch of sort of weird, offbeat uh, social misfits who are brilliant, who solve crimes, you know. I don't remember. I I don't watch TV. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it was on for a couple of years, uh, and and, and I feel like that was basically sneakers, the TV Mm. series. But, yeah, what a great cast. I mean, and all the characters were so so well written and yeah. so well um laid. I mean, River Phoenix oh is my amazing. God. He's Sydney Poitier. Yeah. Sydney Poitier and and uh um oh what's his name who plays the the blind sound David man? David Strathairn. David Strathairn. Oh, yeah. oh, he's yeah. David so Strain, good. And he he has to he has to drive the van in one sequence <laughs> and it's just so hilarious and he he has so much fun doing it and um Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley is the is no. ostensibly the villain. Yeah. Oh, yeah. uh, River Phoenix, mm-hmm. yeah, Mary and of, of course the yeah Mary McDonald, the president of the uh, of the colonies. The colonies. That's right. yeah. um, she's great as uh, as Robert Redford's ex, who is brought back into one last uh, uh, plot. But uh, it's so well written and so much fun. Yeah, and uh, I love it. Was this Phil Allen Robinson's follow up to uh, Field of Dreams? Yes. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, right after a, that, yeah. Terrific movie. Yeah. Terrific spy movie. Super fun. Great James Horner score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't they film just, a scene? I remember there's a big scene that takes place in, uh, they filmed in Courthouse Square on the Universal Studios lot. Oh, yeah. The uh, the courthouse it's, is redressed as a, was it a mansion or was no, it, it was, the building it was, they're breaking it, into? It was, it was a flashback. Yeah. Uh, to when they were in college. On college, that's right. And and when yeah. the cops come and uh, and catch them hacking into yeah. banks and things like that. That's right. Yeah. I uh, actually had the the pleasure of working with Walter Parks for mm. a few years in a couple of yeah. different projects, which was always interesting. That guy was he has so much energy. He has a great head of hair. Yes. Um and uh, <laughs> a, a very smart writer. Um and uh, when we would break story, I mean, we would always kind of come back to sneakers as kind of the, you know, the sort of the, the platonic mm-hmm. ideal of kind of what we thought a great ensemble felt like and, yeah. and like what a great thriller structure really was because I felt like they really nailed it in that movie. And it was just, it was so light on its feet yeah. Yeah. and just yes. delightful in every way, but it always had gravity. It yeah. never felt like it was just going to kind of trip off and be about nothing. It was really about something. Yeah. And Redford is great and yeah. Ben Kingsley is great. Mm-hmm. They have an amazing relationship. All the twists feel earned. Um, it's just, you can just, my God, they, uh, it sounds silly, but they dance in this movie and you love it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's yep. just, they literally are dancing and you're just, I just, I love the fact that they're doing that. And they all just love the hell out of each other. Yeah. It's just a great, it's like watching Star Trek. Uh-huh. It kind of is. Yeah. So I got a question as we move on. A great pick from Darren. Why are they installing seatbelts in theaters this summer? Because Ashley is about to pick his (laughs) pick for, uh, (laughs) maybe it should be putting out vomit bags. I don't know. But uh, we'll find out. So uh, Ashley, Wednesday, the the, the day is is yours and and always unexpected. So I've got an out-of-the-box pick, but I I think I'm going to keep it for Friday. 
Okay. That is your uh, it's a I'm risk. Stay it's always a somewhere risk. Somewhere inside the box today. Um, because I feel like it's strange. This movie redefined how we think about spy films. And I think in a lot of ways it even helped to redefine Bond and um, had a huge influence on the Daniel Craig films. Mm-hmm. Although for whatever reason, I, I think people people forget, um, they forget about it in, in, when talking about the franchise because I think they think more about the Paul Greengrass films. I'm talking mm-hmm. about uh, Doug Liman's Born Born Identity, Identity, which I think is frankly the best of the Bourne films, like period, hands down, full stop, period, end of sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody described the Bourne Identity as the movie that revolutionized the action sequence with a map. Mm-hmm. And the scene that they were talking about is when uh, when Jason Bourne is he's in the uh, the he's the in the, yeah he's in the embassy and he's like mm-hmm. he's trying to escape and he just stops, hmm. and there's a map of the mm-hmm. facility on a wall and he stops and he looks at it. And they take a moment to show him reading that map. Mm-hmm. And then everything else that follows, you totally get it. And what right. it tells you is this is a guy who thinks on his feet, who is incredibly smart, incredibly resourceful. Um, you you buy, even like the most fantastic um, moments in the movie, you buy into it because you believe Matt Damon. Um, he seems as confused about everything as, as you do. Uh, and somehow it takes all of the really cool aspirational spy crap and... Uh, turns it into things that are a little bit scary and a little bit weird. Like when he's sitting in a diner with Franco Patente and he's like looking around and he's saying, I know why, you know, you know, that guy over there is blah, blah, blah. And I know like the license plate numbers of every car and truck in the parking lot. And I know this and I know this, but what I don't know is who I am. Right. I mean, it's just, it's amazing when he gets into a fight and it's just instinctive and you can tell just watching Damon, he doesn't understand how he's doing what he's doing. Um, it's a great story. It's a great thriller based on a Robert Ludlum novel. Um, and Ludlum was kind of the master of, uh, of structure in the sense of how to build hooks into your story. Ludlum, like we were just talking about Dayton and Le Carre and, and Fleming. Um, you know, Ludlum is a completely different way of, of looking at the spy thriller. Uh, I mean, there's my, my, one of my Friday picks is going to be another Ludlum adaptation. But um, I love- Fourth lo- Protocol. No, uh, but uh, I love uh, The Born Identity. I, I think that um, I was about as cranky with the beginning of, uh, was it, was Supremacy the second movie? Yeah, and, the, then, and then Ultimatum. Yeah, like I was about as cranky with that as some people were about the beginning of Alien 3. Mm. Because I felt like it had, The Born Identity had this great ending, um, you know, with Brian Cox and, and Matt Damon and Franco Patente. And it's like, and it didn't necessarily have to kind of run off and sort of everything's a happy ending, but oh, it was, it was know, potentially know, leading into something this, really yeah. super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Cooper is in it and he's great. I mean, there's so many great, cool action scenes. It's, on some on some level, it is the anti bond because instead of a, a you know a car chase you know uh, along a cliffside and an Aston Martin is a car chase down a stair down a stairwell like an Mini Cooper. Chase. I mean, it's it's a great chase. As is the cat and mouse in the train station, which is phenomenal. One hundred percent. And then you get like these moments that are just kind of weird and sad and dark, like Clive Owen, who is a sniper, who's another uh, you know agent of Treadstone, who gets activated. And he's trying to kill Jason Bourne, and it's like this great scene in a farmhouse, and it's very simple. And Bourne gets out there, and he's and it's you know it's it's he's about to take out Clive Owen, and it's like, do you still have the headaches? 
You know, it's just yeah. wow. It's just just little details like that that just make that movie great. And the action is it's all comprehensible while being just incredibly frenetic, which yes. is very difficult to pull off. So I love the Born Identity. That first Born Identity is so good. And Matt Damon is, is great. And I understand what you're saying about the second film. After this whole, we've invested in Franca Portente and him saving her and, 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 and reuniting that, you know, that wonderful ending. And then um, to negate it all, Newt is dead. You yep. know, Michael yeah. Bean is dead. And it's like, what? What? So, um and that was just inspired casting. Like Franca Potenta had just come off of Run Lola Run, mm-hmm. and and uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Matt uh, Damon. Just, no, 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 no. Uh, Clive Owen had right. had just yeah. done uh, uh, the Croupier. Yeah, the croupier. he just done Croupier, and everybody was talking about him as the next James Bond. Yeah. Instead, mm-hmm. he does this, yeah. and uh, it was um, it's great, and it's so smart. Yeah, and you know, I talked about earlier how I'm sick of cell phones, but like this used that kind of stuff. Uh, in a really smart way, the computer and the cell phone. And, you know, it was a modern spy thriller, but it felt credible. It felt like the spy craft was what real. What this felt like craft. to me was what if you made a James Bond movie starring Indiana Jones? Mm. So, mm. like, that mm. sort of everyman, it had that sort of everyman quality, that sort of improvisational, smart character, you know, in these situations. That's what it kind of felt like. Well, it was me. a great mystery at the heart of it. And, yeah. you know, and there's that, that classic staple of 70s spy movies, the evil CIA that, mm-hmm. you know, is trying to cover up their mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, so we saw that in Three Days of the Condor, a lot of movies like that, we, you know, the Parallax. It's always the evil, you know, and and, and, and and it's done very well. You know, Chris Chris Cooper is fantastic. Later on, David Strathairn again, uh, yep. we talked about, uh, comes out later in the franchise. And, the, you know, and then, of course, uh, uh, who was it? It was the wonderful um, uh, uh, Joan Allen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so Joan fantastic Allen's later so in the franchise. What, what year was 2000? What year was this? It was something like that. Um, let's go to the phone, which we never do. Let's go to the videotape. Uh, not, at 2002. Oh, okay. Okay. Because <laughs> I was up, okay. Um, no, I, honestly, my my biggest beef with the with the sequels, other than like the death of Frank Abitinti's character at the top of Born Supremacy, and then feeling like there were now no stakes in the story, was that I, I feel like the movies that followed were all essentially remakes of the mm. first film. Like he was on the same journey. Like every single movie, like Clockwork, wait for it. In the third act, he finds out his real name. Like and sometimes like he found out he finds out stuff he already knew. It's it's the weirdest thing. But in the first movie, like that central mystery of who this character is, like really, really works. And you yeah. just you just believe it and buy it and you don't even need to watch the other films to just to just love it and appreciate it. Yeah, I don't like the third one, the ultimatum that much. I think yeah. the middle one I agree with you about your criticism of it. It's it's a pretty good film and of course yeah. Greengrass really changed the way these movies are edited and the, or the way they're shot. Um but I think the first one is the best film for sure. And again, a, a testament to a really strong producer in Frank Marshall mm-hmm. that that movie is as good as it is given you know everything that happened with Doug Liman on the set of that movie. Right. So really, really great choice. Um, so uh, now we're in, uh, we're in Thursday. Thursday, yes, that's you, Mark. There's some yes. very iconic, uh-huh. formidable spies. Formidable. That, that they're sent on missions and uh, you know, very capable. But you know, other than James Bond, there's probably no more uh, um, capable and 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 relentless and 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 uh, you know, brilliant spy than the star of a man called Flintstone. Um, <laughs> a man called Flintstone. Uh, 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm not really going to go with a man called Flintstone. But I do think, you know, we talk about Spy Mania in the 60s and uh it shows you to the how how much this was everywhere. Yeah. Spy Mania was everywhere. I mean, even the Flintstones, even Fred mm-hmm. Flintstone got in on the action. It was on uh, TV with I Spy and Man from Uncle and, you know, I mean, it was everywhere. It Get was, smart. It, Get was smart. it was crazy. And uh, I will say, I I actually kind of like the Mission Impossible franchise, um, I, I but I'm not I'm not going to go with that. Uh, Steven Soderbergh's Haywire, I think, is a really oh, underrated yeah. oh. movie. Um, but my pick is going to be, and and I want to make sure with Zach that I haven't picked this before because it is I've said this before. It's probably one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a very easy pick for me. I I think. I'm surprised it wasn't my pick for movies we're thankful for, but fortunately I can slot it into spy movies very easily, and that would be um, the story of Audrey Hepburn on the run from Carson Dial oh, Charade. Yeah. Oh, so Directed I, by Stanley Donnan. Uh, it's been called the greatest Hitchcock movie Hitchcock never made, and uh, Cary Grant is... Uh, Many characters in this movie: <laughs> Carson Dahl, Alexander Dahl, Peter Joshua, Alexander Cruikshank, uh, Audrey Hepburn is Regina Lampert, and um, uh, her husband has died, been murdered on a train. Could have been train, playing trains and automobile weeks too. And uh, and now uh, Walter Matthau is uh, has approached her and says her life is in danger unless they can find this move money that. Uh, her husband absconded with during during, during the war. Uh, it is a great spy movie. Yeah, it is a great spy. Movie. It is effortless. It is smart. It is charming. It is romantic. It is suspenseful. Um, it has an amazing cast: Cary Grant, Audrey Hepburn, uh, James Coburn, Walter Matthau, mm-hmm. um, also um, uh, uh, George Kennedy. Can't go wrong with George Kennedy. George Kennedy. Yep. <laughs> and uh, it is charming and uh, has an amazing Henry Mancini score. I have to tell you, the first time that I ever went to France, one of the first things I did in Paris was to go to the Palais to, to go to those columns where the shootout at the end is. Uh, and I have these great pictures. Of, in fact, Robert and I were there for a, a we were invited to, a, I guess, a Star Trek convention. And the most important thing, I was like, no matter what we do, I got to go to the Palais and um, reenacted the whole uh, the whole uh, shootout at the end of the movie. Um, and it was great. It's also it's shot in Paris. Paris looks beautiful. Um, uh, gorgeous city. Um, and uh, it's just a, it's just a great movie. It's so Peter Stone wrote it. It is brilliantly written. It's a textbook screenplay uh, in screenwriting. Uh, it's just effortless, and it, there's not a wrong note in this movie. And uh, I, I love Charade. I have the one sheet, mm-hmm. um, and uh, can't say enough great things about it. I love everything about Charade. Um, I first of all, I Audrey Hepburn is luminous. Yes, <laughs> uh, but she's also really terrific because she was always really terrific and resourceful. Um, Totally resourceful. Um, No, I mean, this is like one of those... I love spy movies that are about, at the end of the day, really about real people who are caught up in things that Mm -hmm. are bigger than they are. I mean, that to me is always like... I'm in, and it's what separates that from something like, like a Bond film, where he's obviously not, you know, the the everyman or the everyday person who is who's caught up in the big adventure. Um, He's the guy you want to be. Um, But Charade is just so well directed. It is just, it's beautiful to look at. I didn't discover this movie until 
um, Jesus, maybe like for discover it for me until maybe 10, 15 years ago and just completely fell in love with it. Um, what a terrific pick. And what, it's so great when uh, uh, Walter Matthau corrects Audrey Hepburn and says, you know, uh, uh, women make the best spies. He goes, agents, Mrs. Lampert. And then later she <laughs> he says something about spies and he says, agents. And she corrects him. So I don't know if this is a spy week or not because we're talking it's about an secret agent agents. <laughs> it's secret agents. But it's, uh, it's, 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 it's such a great movie. It's, it's, it's utterly flawless. It's, well, if they're on your side, they're agents. If they're on the other side, they're spies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, if they're agents, all their screenwriters have to fire them. But I'm bummed. <laughs> <laughs> but, but a great, great movie. Indeed. So oh, yeah. uh, that brings us to Friday. So many more movies oh, to oh, consider. Friday. I well, don't know where to start. The, the packet has been leaked that shows the title of the movie that we've chosen for Friday. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I hate it when I get a leaky packet. We have to, we have to, uh, we have to find the leak and stop it getting out <laughs> by basically giving out all the information that's in it. <laughs> so we have to determine that. Well, here's a question. Does this work for Spy Week? I don't know. Blue Velvet. You know, um, uh, <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin, you know, is, is kind of a hardy boy on the, as, as a spy, spying on Darth Vader. You know, wow. I, Mark, I don't think so. Because, okay. because... It's more detective. Uh, detective. Yeah, that's a detective, detective story. Because... Yeah. Um, it seems to me that there needs to be some larger, I mean, much larger things going on. Yeah, yeah, that these I, I agree people with that. Are, are, are working So Brick for. wouldn't be eligible either. No, that's it. No, yeah, yeah, okay. For sure. so, but I think The Matrix might. The Matrix oh, might the be. The Matrix might be. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not serious, yeah. but, but it's something to think about. You know, because you know what movie got a bad rap? I know a lot of people don't like this. I, I happen to think it's really terrific. It's, it's definitely all style over substance, but I, I thought it also... Uh, it's an era that I love, and it was a great uh, sort of the last gasp of the Cold War. It was Atomic Blonde with uh, Charles E. Uh, Theron. Charles yeah. E. Theron. Yeah, right. Charlize. I, I, Charlize. Yeah. Charlize. Charlize A. With Jessica and Puttermaker. Yes. And I, uh, <laughs> I, I just think it's a, a, a terrific. Again, you can't pay too much attention, but it, it's all style. And yeah. Uh, yeah. it's beautifully shot, great fight scenes. And it really, the, the soundtrack is fantastic. All these great 80s mu movies, uh, music. But it really captured that whole, the death of the Cold War, the fall of the Berlin Wall. You know, it's all set against the backdrop of the end of the, you know, uh, of, of, of East Germany. I mean, it's really, uh, it's really, and for those of us who lived through it, it's, it's actually kind of really cool. Uh, we mentioned uh, John Le Carre earlier. Mm -hmm. There have been several oh, great yes. adaptations mm -hmm. of John Le Carre, including uh, Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, mm -hmm. uh, The Spy Who Came In From the Cold, The Tailor of Panama. Mm -hmm. I, I really enjoyed Tailor of Panama. I think of those as spy stories uh, for accountants. <laughs> because yeah. they have the same amount of detail that you need to have in a ledger mm. to been able, be able to follow everything. I gotta go with Steve. I think Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is masterful. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, great. And, and Taylor Panama was described to me once as the best Bond movie Pierce Brosnan ever did. Right. You right. know, um, so I think those are both both really great movies. Um, if we if we go into a different direction, uh, we have uh, Austin Powers. Yes. Yeah. National movie, baby. Uh, and who shagged me? And, yeah. I think the first one's the only. The first one, one is yeah, the only yeah. is the only. Then it just gets ridiculous. It just yeah. gets goofy. Um, you know what? I I um, you know I've said a lot of times on the show that my favorite Tony Scott movie is um, Crimson Tide, but 
actually, I think Spy Game is Have mm. you, with Brad mm. Pitt and uh, Robert Redford, which I think is a wonderful movie. Um, really great spy film, uh, beautifully directed by uh, Tony Scott. Really smart, um, mm. and 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 uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that movie. You know, and 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 uh, has a nice twist, and of course. Uh, you know, it's Robert Redford on his last day at the CIA, and he's manipulating events to uh, potentially uh, um, rescue his protege, who he had a falling out with Brad Pitt. I think it's a really great movie. Um, you mentioned on another podcast, uh, and I think a movie we all love, which is Ronin. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is not only one of the great car chases, John Frankenheimer comes back with a vengeance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, Robert, it's a spy movie because Robert De Niro is and, and John Renault are both spies yeah, in yeah, that. Yeah. Great yeah. cast in the film. <sighs> great cast. It, it, great it, car it's chase. so well done. And it, 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 handles the, it handles the mysteries that are going on uh, very adroitly. Yeah. Uh, because it doesn't really tell you anything no, about what's going on. No, the case is the ultimate MacGuffin. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what's in there. It's just a case. They need yeah. the case. You and know as much as they know. What's and, in the uh, case? Yeah. And talk. speaking of luminous, Natasha McElhone in that yeah. movie is just luminous. And, and I believe that movie just came out on Blu-ray relatively recently. No, no. Um, I think it was no? reissued. On oh, Blu-ray. reissued. Okay. Arrow reissued it because uh, MGM had done a bare bones release, which was okay. fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Arrow did a better version with mm. more special features, which is quite good. And if you're a fan of the movie or haven't seen it, highly recommend the Arrow version of Ronan. You know, because now what's happening is none of the studios care about their catalogs anymore. Right. So all these yeah. sort of boutique Secondary labels are releasing um, these, these titles in much better versions, you know, which is good. like Shout, Shout Factory. Factory. Yeah. yeah, which is which is a great thing. I'm surprised, I, I'm sorry. No, no, I was just gonna say, you know, I mentioned Haywire earlier. Also Munich was a movie I championed oh. on Spielberg Week, which we didn't pick. Right. Uh, I think that's a great spy movie uh, with Michael Lonsdale. Um, uh, and of course, Daniel Craig and and uh, some great, great cast about uh, tracking down the Palestinians who uh, killed the Israeli athletes during the uh, Munich Olympics. And of course, we did pick this before for some week, uh, but and you mentioned it during your pick, um, Three Days of the Condor. Oh right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't believe that movie. was picked before. I'm pretty sure it was not. It might so. have been mentioned and then not picked. Yeah. I think we picked two days of the Condor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we didn't take the sequel. But speaking of, you know, another Robert Redford another ro- starring Robert role Redford in a spy is, movie. You, a lot can't, of spy movies. you can't swing a dead cat around these yeah. spy movies without hitting Robert Redford. <laughs> Directed yeah. by Black Sidney Pollack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's Faye a, Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. Yeah. It's amazing. Wonderful It's movie. one of my favorite movies of all time. And, and uh, uh, you know, the, the casting in it is amazing. Oh, there's so many great people. You know who's so freaking great in it? Cliff Robertson. Oh, yeah. Talk about smarmy. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I love this movie. I mean, it's a movie that opens up, you know, Robert Redford goes out to lunch, basically, and comes back to find everyone in the office dead. Yeah. They've and all now been, he's on the run. Yeah, and he's on the run. Like, who killed him? Why is he? Right. You know, it's it's yeah. a great setup. And then he kidnaps. It just teaches you to go away. out for lunch. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's yeah. The don't order story. in. Yeah, just never order postmates. <laughs> right. You know, nobody would go out. He'd be dead. That'd be the end of the movie. We shouldn't order postmates. We should have gone out for lunch. You know, if they just gone out for lunch. Um, but if Postmates wants to sponsor us, we'll <laughs> yeah. change that my, uh, opinion. My alt picks was. Uh, was Sam Peckinpah's final film, The Osterman Weekend. Oh, oh yeah. Interesting. Yeah, right? yeah. Which is just, which I don't know if it necessarily holds together in terms of Come just on, the, baby, the hold together and the, and the plotting, but um, but it's just so relentlessly interesting and it's so well cast. It's John Hurt, 
um, who is really, you know, he's on this mission for vengeance and he gets Rutger Hauer, um, who plays this television broadcaster, um, involved in this effort to expose these Soviet spies. And it turns into this whole other thing. Um, and it's just super cool. It was probably one of the, the first spy movies I ever saw, I think, as I watched it with my dad. And it was released posthumously. I believe he had died during the making oh, of it. Right. They finished it after mm. he died. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, there's there's a big one that we haven't mentioned yet. What's that? The Manchurian Candidate. Oh, yeah. yes. Would you like to play a game of solitaire, Steve? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great uh, a great pick. Uh, Frank Sinatra, Lawrence Harvey, and Angela Lansbury. <laughs> it's the queen of my heart. Um, Out of the box, there's Captain America: Winter Soldier, which I don't love as most much as most people do, but but I think it definitely fits into the category. It's definitely it's it's sort of evoking those seventies spy thrillers. It with, does. Like, it, with it, Captain it, America. It, 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 it's and a again, legitimate thing to bring up. Robert Redford. Robert Redford. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. just like when Robert Redford is in the CIA, bad things are just going to happen. <laughs> uh, and then there's also, of course, and I think maybe you mentioned this maybe between podcasts, but you know the uh, the spy thriller, um, the classic Cars Two. Oh, oh, you know, yes. that's so funny because we talked about that for Plane, Trains, and Automobiles Week, and then we never mentioned it. But Cars 2 is one of the great James Bond homages, and people are probably laughing because everybody says, oh, Cars 2. The conventional wisdom is Cars 2 is a terrible movie. It is not a terrible movie. Yeah. Cars is a silly. It's silly. Yeah. But um, Cars 2 is a James Bond. It's like a Roger Moore James Bond movie. But the best thing about it is Michael Caine yes. as Finn McMissile. Yes. Right. With the glasses. Yes, with the right. glasses. Right. He did do a Harry How Palmer sequel. How could you sequel. not right. love <laughs> Cars 2? I don't get the amount of uh, disdain for that movie. I mean, like Cars was some Pixar classic. Yeah. Right. I mean, the best thing about it is Paul Newman, right? Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's fine. I like Cars. But yeah. Cars 2 is like, it's fun. It's a genre. It, it's, it's a it's, total James Bond and love it's a great letter. It's beloved in the, in the middle of the country. Cars. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, there's a few more. The third man. Yes. Sure. Of course. Uh, Zither me this, Batman. <laughs> Army of Shadows, which we mentioned we on a previous podcast. Still completely but, relevant. Brilliant about the French resistance. Um, the lives of others. Oh yes. Yeah. yeah about East German secret police. Um, was that the Stasi? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great movie. You know what? Would I have to mention? Neither of which should be on the show. In like Flint and our man Flint, the oh. James Co James Coburn, much better than material. Mm -hmm, you know, yeah. both of these are terrible movies in retrospect. Well, the, Zowie, they're they're better than the Matt Helm movies. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> they are better than so, the, uh, um, the Matt Helm movies. The, the, look, the first movie is a lot of fun. Uh, in it's like uh, our man Flint, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I would I would give it certainly uh, a position next to Austin Powers. Yeah, I, look, I would say I would argue they don't hold up as well as I remember them. Right. Um, they're still because of James Coburn's charisma mm -hmm. and star wattage, they work. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you know, they're a little dated. But but they definitely had that whole you know there was that whole era of um, also what was it Modesty Blaze at the time. Oh yeah. Uh, you know those those Fox films. So. I mean, they're not without their their delights, yeah. um, but you know nothing. I think that we would want a program for and a Jerry Goldsmith score. Absolutely. So um, there's a uh, obscure uh, candidate. I mean, it, it's a little bit like uh, 
Gran Torino meets the Press file. Uh, it's Harry Brown with Michael Caine. Oh, oh yes, yeah. that was which good. he plays like the ex sort of. It's his background is murky, but it's he's sort of ex SAS, ex mm -hmm. maybe spy, and like, and it's just all of this kind of neighborhood he lives gang in this violence, kind of drama. crummy apartment block. Yep, and it's just kind of awesome. Yeah. And Michael Caine, well, he's Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Of course, he's yeah. awesome. You know what I don't hate at all? The remake of The Man from U.N.C.L.E. I don't either. Yeah, I, was gonna uh, mention I think that. it is super fun. Yeah, very enjoyable. And I, I think they're both great in it. And I, it looks amazing. <laughs> the costumes are fantastic. The production design is great. It's Darren's colorful and rich and and a great score. And, 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 and does really, every you know... I, I uh, Alicia Vikander and and um, it's just I think it's, it's a bit long, but for me that was a year there were all these spy movies that came out, including Skyfall, and the Bond film was the worst one of all the spy <laughs> films in my from my. Was, book. You sure it wasn't Spectre? Maybe it was Spectre. It, it was yeah. Spectre. The, a movie that came out at the same time, nearly the same time, that I think is yards better than the Man from Uncle movie, is Kingsman. Yes, I the first one. Yes. The first one. Yeah. Well, I yeah. like Kingsman. I yeah, like it's it. terrific. I think yeah. it's 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 uh, so fresh a take on that kind of stuff, and so well done. Um, especially the the, uh, well, the scene in the church. Well, the scene mm -hmm. in the church is is like nothing you've ever seen before. Yeah, it's like the Matrix. Matrix uh, yeah, it, it's like no, but it's it's like the Matrix has the the core of an idea, and this is it realized to its full potential. Um, but I, I think all the performances are great. I think all the characters are are, are wonderful, and uh, you know I I I liked it so much more than I did Man from Uncle. Yeah, I like Man from Uncle better, but yeah, I understand. So kind of with you guys. I mean, I like Kingsman. I don't I, like I, I don't like the sequel, but I like the original yeah. Kingsman. Uh, I think there's also. Um, you know, look, the first, the De Palma Mission Impossible is a real spy thriller. Then it becomes more of an action adventure franchise. I mean, uh, two is worthless. JJ did a nice job with the third one. And then there are the Macquarie films, which. Um, I think uh, the second Macquarie film is, is the best one. Ghost, Pro Ghost Protocol? Ghost Protocol. I love Ghost so Protocol. And everyone was falling all over themselves to praise Fallout, the last one. Yeah, yeah. which it's I not think as good is, as Ghost Protocol. No. It's not yeah, nearly it's not as good as, as Ghost Protocol, which is a much better, yeah. tighter, smarter yeah. movie. And it's, it's much more Mission Impossible. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I I completely agree with that. And, um, you know, I Ghost Protocol is a legitimate pick. I mean, I think that, you know, whatever you say about Mission Impossible, it's a franchise you get your money's worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and it's it's generally smart. And I think Macquarie's done a nice job with the movies. Yeah. Um, you know, J.J. did a good job with the mm -hmm. movies. Uh, I think Fallout was praised way out of proportion um, it's when it was it was kind of I think the least successful of his of his films. Whereas it had some good set pieces in it. Absolutely, yeah, it but that's what it was. No it was yeah. a succession of set pieces. Yeah, right. Uh, whereas Ghost Protocol just really holds together as a as a really smart movie. But the one before it is quite good too. The one in Dubai. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, um, whatever the hell that was. The, I just the had name it. Of it. Uh, uh, nation something. Uh, Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. Yeah. Right. Rogaine Nation. Rogaine Nation. <laughs> Another a spy movie that I've always had a soft spot for that uh, it's kind of a guilty pleasure, but I think it's just a really solid movie um, that has yet to find its way onto Blu-ray is James Cameron's True Lies. Yeah, oh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger playing a spy who works for um, what was the name of a. Uh, um, Some, somebody he worked oh, for uh, Omega Sector. Omega Sector, and he's married to Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. And maintaining this illusion that he's just a, you know, an average like accountant or something. I, 
I like True Lies. The problem for me is that you you look at Arnold Schwarzenegger and you never imagine he's anything but a but a secret. <laughs> well, agent. yeah, yeah. You you can never. I well, mean, okay. It was I, the whole Total Recall problem. Yeah, it was thank written, you. Yeah, okay. that's yeah, exactly. It's, exa- it's exactly the same problem. He is a spy in Total Recall. I think Total Recall potentially counts. Mm. <laughs> I think it does. A secret agent, but I think it absolutely yeah. Future secret yeah. agent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You and that you, you me. Yeah. Welcome to the party. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, True Lies was yeah. just kind of a fun throwback. It was, you know, Cameron really, obviously making a James Bond movie. I would really like to see True Lies recast. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who I would recast. I, I was Bill never Paxton is terrific. Oh my God. Oh, Paxton I just felt bit. like it, it's exactly what it was. It was James Cameron wanted to make a James Bond movie. Sure. Yeah, James Bond movie. It's fun. It's fun. It's entertaining. It's fun. <laughs> so, um, and we, we talked about this, I think, off off mic uh, No Way Out yeah, yeah I was yeah. just gonna say the same thing that was yeah. also on my list a great Kevin Costner, spy movie spy movie mm-hmm. you know who's the spy yeah uh, it's about finding out who the spy is who is this Yuri and it has a great great, great twist ending which we oh, will not spoil in case so great it. <laughs> that'd be great for, for spoiler, spoiler week, week. <laughs> <laughs> um, look out you've got no way out <laughs> <laughs> There's also uh, well, we mentioned North by Northwest, which we picked in another week, of course. And notorious, uh, and, and which notorious. We also uh, there's also Buck Rogers in the 25th century. <laughs> um, you know, Buck Rogers. In fact, they say it in the movie. That's right. You have no identity in the future. Nobody knows who you are. You make the perfect secret agent. Now, of course, that was in the TV version, not in the theatrical version. But uh, <laughs> you know of the far pilot. too much about this. But I do. But you know, he is a secret agent of the future. Yeah, that no, is true. not. <laughs> they say it in the thing. <laughs> no, they say it. I'm going to put it on the show. He's a big, dumb billboard saying, I'm He has no identity in the future. He can go somewhere where the people from the Earth Directorate cannot. Uh, he is 500 Mark, years I old. I and can't looks go to that great. island with you. <laughs> well, fine. When I'm taken prisoner on the Draconia, I know who I can count on. Who uh, my real Pamela friends Hensley. are. Pamela That's, That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know it, baby. Um, okay. So I think we got a couple uh, oh that gosh. we narrowed. No Way Out is yeah. in contention. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised the spy game didn't get a little Ronin, I think we, we could say. Oh, contention. Mm-hmm. Austin Powers were, mm-hmm. were in contention. Um, uh, any of the Mission Possible movies, possibly. Um, we should narrow it down. Man, man called Flintstone still man is called... out there <laughs> waiting to be picked. Like, for Little League. But man nobody wants to pick Fred. He's just sitting on the sidelines with his little club. Wow. <laughs> bam, bam. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to champion Ronin because I think it's a movie that is kind of underseen. I, I would I would go with that too. And it's, I, I just ambushed it's... you with a coffee cup. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, such a great scene, such a great freaking scene. Now, I think that's a movie that maybe no, some of our I, listeners I'd go with Ronin in a heartbeat. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. Absolutely. It's so smart. It's so good. The action is great. It's smart. And, you know, we all love Frankenheimer, who made Manchurian Candidate. Right. To come back, he does his movie in the early 60s, and then here in the 90s, he's just as vibrant and he's smart. Kind of, it's like George Miller. And, he, like, comes roaring back yeah, out of it, nowhere. And it's got one of, like, probably among the best three car chases of all time. Oh, that yeah, actually yes. aren't in a, you know... Yeah. I would, I would George say Miller the best. It's so great. And he's not... De Niro's not phoning it in. Yeah. No. Right. You know, he, he gives a great, subtle performance, but it's not because he's cashing a check. It's because he is, he's really good. And yep. Jean Renault is great. And yep. their friendship is great. Yep. And, uh, 
And Ben Kingsley is just everybody's really good in that movie. Ben Kingsley's not in that movie. Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley would have been great. He was he so great. He would have been great had he been in that movie. <laughs> but Michael Lonsdale is. Michael, so. I know Michael Lonsdale's yeah. awesome in that movie. Who's also awesome? I wouldn't consider it a spy movie in Night of the Jackal. Day of the Jackal. Day of the Jackal. Day of the Jackal. Night of the Jackal. Night of the Jackal. Night of the Jackal. <laughs> <laughs> in Day of the Jackal. So I, I, look, I'm a big Michael Lonsdale fan. So oh yeah, uh, he's Jonathan Price and Sean, oh, Jonathan Price, yeah, right? right and, of course. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård and Sean Bean. Yes. Scene being, guess who dies in the movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> pretty much all of them. Yeah, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, well, look, th- this was a great. This is a great week, and I, I think uh, let me check the envelope and see if we were right <laughs> Friday. Oh my! You know God. they can see you. Oh yeah, I forgot your video. <laughs> you look like an idiot now. <laughs> Why is today any different than every other day? Uh, so, <laughs> indeed, it was Ronan. Good. <laughs> Thank goodness. So, uh, anyway, wow, great week, and 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 there's a, an abundance of riches. So many movies we didn't uh, we didn't pick. Um, that that could, well, could all, of, all of these uh, Argo. secretly, Argo. if you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> Send us your secret vote <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that social media nonsense. Um, okay, well, cool. Well, listen, I want to before we finish, shall we recap? Uh, I, I want to. Well, I want to recap, and then oh. I want to ask. Uh, I want to ask uh, Bill Ritter his spy movie. He's been thinking about it for the last fifty minutes. Can I answer. Uh, let's see. How about the Falcon and the Snowman? Oh, oh good okay. pick. Yeah. Timothy snowman. Hutton. You know him from That's Leverage. Sean you know Penn. and love him from Leverage. <laughs> and, and before that, he was the Falcon and the <laughs> Snowman. Which was he? Was he Snowman Was he or Snowman or Falcon? I like I mean, that I movie know. a lot. It was Sean Penn, too, right? It was Sean yeah, Penn, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. Sean Bean. Who no. is the Falconer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and it was what a great '80s, mid '80s movie. Yeah. Was that John Schlesinger? I think who directed that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Still got it. Okay, um, and of course, Natalie, what's your pick for Spy Week? Mine's True Lies. True okay. Lies. Yeah. Okay, so True Lies does make an appearance here on the show. Um, okay, Monday. Monday is Michael Caine in the Ipcrest File. Tuesday. Sneakers. Wednesday. The Bourne Identity. Thursday. The best film Alfred Hitchcock never made. Stanley Donnan's <laughs> Singing in the Rain. No, no. Stanley Donnan's <laughs> Charade. And Friday. It's John Frankenheimer's Ronin. Ronin. Dude, this what is a, a good week. week. What wow. a week. If you watch no other week of the 430 movie, <laughs> you should watch it this week. You're going to be is... falling right off the edge of your seat after watching this. Or be poisoned by cyanide. Who knows? Because it's Spy Week. <laughs> um, anyway, we want to thank you for joining us for Spy Week. We'll be back next Friday with an all-new 430 movie uh, theme week. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you may want to check out Electric Surge's other podcasts like Inglorious Trexperts, the only podcast for Star Trek fans with life every Saturday, and The Rebel and the Rogue, a Star Wars podcast every Tuesday, along with Best Movies Never Made every other Monday. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcast. And uh, before we leave, I'd be remiss if I didn't offer a very special thanks to Bill Ritter for the Falcon and the Snowman suggestion, <laughs> as well as making it sound great behind the big board. And, of course, our producer, Natalie Miscali, who's back there and is a fan of True Lies, like Steve and Darren and Ashley. <laughs> and, of course, our executive producer, Dean Devlin, without whom the show would not be possible. I'm going to stealthily slip away uh, to end the show. 
But before I do, I just want to remind you, Eyewitness News starts now. This week's episode is brought to you by Megadodo Productions, publishers of the Encyclopedia Galactica and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Don't panic! You're listening to the Electric Surge Network. <laughs> 